book two chapter eight of the life of john ruskin by w g collingwood this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the life of john ruskin by w g collingwood book two the art critic eighteen forty two to eighteen sixty chapter eight modern painters continued eighteen fifty five to eighteen fifty six recording by cheyenne arrowsmith it was in the year eighteen fifty five that ruskin first published notes on the royal academy and other exhibitions he had been so often called upon to write his opinion of pre-raphaelite pictures either privately or to the newspapers or to mark his friends catalogues that he found at last less trouble in printing his notes once for all the new plan was immediately popular three editions of the pamphlet were called for between june the first and july the first next year he repeated the notes and six editions were sold in spite of a dissentient voice here and there he was really by that time recognized as the leading authority upon taste in painting he was trusted by a great section of the public who had not failed to notice how completely he and his friends were winning the day the proof of it was in the fact that they were being imitated on all sides ruskinism in writing and pre-raphaelitism in painting were becoming fashionable but at the same time the movement gave rise to the naturalist landscape school a group of painters who threw overboard the traditions of turner and prout constable and harding and the rest just as the pre-raphaelite brethren threw over the academical masters for such men their study was their picture they devised the tents and huts in wide glens and upon waste moors and spent weeks in elaborating their details directly from nature instead of painting at home from sketches on the spot this was the fulfilment of his advice to young artists and so far as young artists worked in this way for purposes of study he encouraged them but he did not fail to point out that this was not all that could be required of them even such a work as brett's val d'auster marvellous as it was in observation and finish was only the beginning of a new era not its consummation it was not the painting of detail that could make a great artist but the knowledge of it and the masterly use of such knowledge a great landscapist would know the facts and effects of nature just as tintoret knew the form of human figure and he would treat them with the same freedom as the means of expressing great ideas of affording by the imagination noble grounds for noble emotion which as ruskin had been writing at vevey in eighteen fifty four was poetry meanwhile the public and the critic ought to become familiar with the aspects of nature in order to recognize the difference between the true poetry of painting 
and the mere empty sentimentalism which was only the rant and bombast of landscape art with such feelings as these he wrote the third and the fourth volumes of modern painters published respectively january the fifteenth and april the fourteenth eighteen fifty six the work was afterwards interrupted only by a recurrence of his old cough in the exceptionally cold summer of eighteen fifty five he went down to tunbridge wells where his cousin william richardson of perth was practising as a doctor it was not long before the cough gave way to treatment and he was as busy as ever about october of that year he wrote to mrs carlyle as follows in a letter printed by professor c e norton conveniently summing up his year not that i have not been busy and very busy too i have written since may good six hundred pages had them rewritten cut up corrected and got fairly ready for press and am going to press with the first of them on gunpowder plot day with a great hope of disturbing the public peace in various directions also i have prepared about thirty drawings for engravers this year retouched the engravings generally the worst part of the business and edged some on steel myself in the course of the six hundred pages i have had to make various remarks on german metaphysics on poetry political economy cookery music geology dress agriculture horticulture and navigation all of which subjects i have had to read up accordingly and this takes time moreover i have had my class of workmen out sketching every week in the fields during the summer and have been studying spanish proverbs with my father's partner who came over from spain to see the great exhibition i have also designed and drawn a window for the museum at oxford and have every now and then had to look over a parcel of five or six new designs for fronts and backs to the said museum during my above-mentioned studies of horticulture i became dissatisfied with the linnean jasian and everybody elsian arrangement of plants and have accordingly arranged a system of my own and unbound my botanical book and rebound it in bright green with all the pages through other and backside foremost so as to cut off all the old paging numerals and am now printing my new arrangement in a legible manner on interleaved foolscap i consider this arrangement one of my great achievements of the year my studies of political economy have induced me to think also that nobody knows anything about that and i am at present engaged in an investigation on independent principles of the natures of money rent and taxes in an abstract form which sometimes keeps me awake all night my studies of german metaphysics have also induced me to think that the germans don't know anything about them 
and to engage in a serious inquiry into the meaning of bonson's great sentence in the beginning of the second volume of the hippolytus about the finite realization of infinity which has given me some trouble and the course of my studies of navigation necessitated my going to deal to look at the deal boats and those of geology to rearrange all my minerals and wash a good many which i am sorry to say i have found wanted it i have also several pupils far and near in the art of illumination an american young lady to direct in the study of landscape painting and a yorkshire young lady to direct in the purchase of turners and various little buy things besides but i am coming to see you the tone of humorous exaggeration of his discoveries and occupations was very characteristic but he was then growing into the habit of leaving the matter in hand as he often did afterwards to follow side issues and to take up new studies with a hasty and divided attention the result of which was seen in his subtitle for the third volume of modern painters of many things which amused his readers not a little but that he still had time for his friends is seen in the account of a visit to denmark hill written this year by james smetham i walked there through the wintry weather and got in about dusk one or two gossiping details will interest you before i give you what i care for and so i will tell you that he has a large house with a lodge and a valet and a footman and a coachman and ground rooms glittering with pictures chiefly turners and that his father and mother live with him or he with them his father is a fine old gentleman who has a lot of bushy grey hair and eyebrows sticking up all rough and knowing with a comfortable way of coming up to you with his hands in his pockets and making you comfortable and saying in answer to your remark that john's prose works are pretty good his mother is a ruddy dignified richly dressed old gentlewoman of seventy-five who knows charmony better than camberwell evidently a good old lady with the christian treasury tossing about on the table she puts john down and holds her own opinions and flatly contradicts him and he receives all her opinions with a soft reverence and gentleness that is pleasant to witness i wish i could reproduce a good impression of john for you to give you the notion of his perfect gentleness and lowlihood he certainly bursts out with a remark and in a contradictious way but only because he believes it with no air of dogmatism or conceit he is different at home from that which he is in a lecture before a mixed audience and there is a spiritual sweetness in the half-timid expression of his eyes 
and in bowing to you as in taking wine with if i heard all right i drink to thee he had a look that has followed me a look bordering on tearful he spent some time in this way unhanging a turner from the wall of a distant room he brought it to the table and put it in my hands then we talked then he went up into his study to fetch down some illustrative print or drawing in one case a literal view which he had travelled fifty miles to make in order to compare with the picture and so he kept on gliding all over the house hanging and unhanging and stopping a few minutes to talk and yet there were many with whom he had to deal who did not look at things in his light who took his criticism as personal attack and resented it with bitterness there is a story told but not by himself about one of the notes on the academy which he was then publishing how he wrote to an artist therein mentioned that he regretted he could not speak more favourably of his picture but he hoped it would make no difference in their friendship the artist replied so they say in these terms dear rusking next time i meet you i shall knock you down but i hope it will make no difference in our friendship damn the fellow why doesn't he stand up for his friends said another disappointed acquaintance perhaps ruskin secure in his house with a lodge and a valet and footman and coachman hardly realized that cold word from his pen sometimes meant the failure of an important academy picture and serious loss of income that there was bitter truth underlying punch's complaint of the academician i paint and paint hears no complaint and sells before i'm dry till savage rusking sticks his tusk in and nobody will buy against these incidents should be said such an anecdote as the following told by mr j j rusking in a letter of june the third eighteen fifty eight vawkins wished me to name to you that carrick when he read your criticism on weary life came to him with the cheque vawkins had given and said your remarks were all right and that he could not take the picture paid by vawkins the buyer he would alter the picture vawkins took back the money only agreeing to see the picture when it was done john ruskin in reply said he did not see why carrick should have returned the cheque a letter from mrs browning describes a visit to demarchio and ends i like mr ruskin very much and so does robert very gentle yet earnest refined and truthful i like him very much we count him one among the valuable acquaintances made this year in england this has been dated eighteen fifty five 
but ruskin writing to miss mitford from glenfinlas seventeenth august eighteen fifty three says i had the pleasure this spring of being made acquainted with your dear elizabeth browning as well as with her husband i was of course prepared to like her but i did not expect to like him as much as i did i think he is really a very fine fellow and she is the only sensible woman i have yet met with on the subject of italian politics evidently a noble creature in all things in june eighteen fifty he had met robert browning on the invitation of coventry patmore and said he is the only person whom i have ever heard talk rationally about the italians though on the liberal side in these volumes of modern painters he had to discuss the medieval and renaissance spirit in its relation to art and to illustrate from browning's poetry unerring in every sentence he writes of the middle ages always vital and right and profound so that in the matter of art there is hardly a principle connected with the medieval temper that he has not struck upon in those seemingly careless and too rugged lines of his this was written twenty-five years before the browning society was heard of and at a time when the style of browning was an offence to most people to ruskin also it had been some thing of a puzzle and he wrote to the poet asking him to explain himself which the poet accordingly did that ruskin was open to conviction and conversion could be shown from the difference in his tongue of thought about poetry before and after this period that he was the best of friends with the man who took him to task for narrowness may be seen from the following letter written on the next christmas eve my dear mr ruskin your note having just arrived robert disputes me to write for him while he dresses to go out on an engagement it is the evening all the hours are wasted since the morning through our not being found at the rue de Granel but here and our instinct of self-preservation or self-satisfaction insists on our not losing a moment more by our own fault thank you thank you for sending us your book and also for writing my husband's name in it it will be the same thing as if you had written mine except for the pleasure as you say which is greater so how good and kind you are and not well that is worst surely you would be better if you had the summer in winter we have here but i was to write only a word let it say how affectionately we regard you elizabeth barrett browning three rue de colisee thursday evening twenty fourth December 1855. End of Book 2, Chapter 8. Recording by Cheyenne Arrowsmith.